feel like I almost hit the wrong button for a second, Loki. What's good, bro? What's up, baby? What's up, fellas? Oh, my, my, oh, my, my mic on? So that's because we have new pop filters on. I'm going to turn you up and I'm going to turn your, your sound up a little there bit. What's up, everybody? There it's the All Day Everyday Show. We have new pop filters on the mic. I had to tell the producer to turn me up in the headphones. <laughs> With All Day crazy. AJ and homie Manny Ruffin. Guys, it's it's going to make this, this sound a little bit more crispy if you're watching on YouTube. As always, powered by Dimers. And today, we have another guest on the show. These guests are pumping out, like, I don't know, like, no tomorrow. Is that my analogy that I'm going to use today? Um, so today, we have Scott Miller. He's the Vice President of Product and Operations um, at Action Network. So that's going to be a cool conversation. Again, we're trying to... You guys have already seen, we've done so many gamblers on the show. Um, and we want to try to see who else that we can grab that's a little bit on the on the different side of that spectrum. So... Um, He's going to be in here a little bit, but man, and I are going to chat about some bullshit uh, before he gets here. What's up? Dude? Yeah. So what about fucking Phil? And yeah, dude. That he okay. Said, like, break down to me, like, what's good with that? Like, I kind of, because I seen, I seen his apology and I seen that he said that he was in favor of, like, he was the one of the lone guys that was in favor of moving the league over because of the shit ton of money or whatever. But like, what do you think about it? Does it, t does it taint Phil Mickelson's legacy? Like, I, are you still on board with them like, or not? I am totally A lot of people board. hate lefty now. I know, which is ridiculous in my mind. Um, A lot of people... Hey, I'm going to make this short because Scott, Scott just rolled in. But um, a lot of people hate Phil for those comments. Roy McIlroy, there's a clip of yeah, Roy coming out explaining. And he, he drops a clip and he's like, yeah. So basically he's like, I don't mean to shit on him and I don't want to shit on him. But you just did. But then he literally is like basically saying like, well, he's on the way out of the door anyway. And then he's saying like, now listen, though, there's a lot of money invested in this. Like there are people that know this it's already. It's like the Super League situation. Ex it's the exact same thing. You're exactly right. And they're offering Bryson DeChambeau a shitload of money <laughs> to move over. But then the PGA came out and cut that shit right down because they had asked many different PGA players, tour players, to do the same thing and yeah, make well, this John Rahm had a huge like testament in that. And they said, PGA came out and they were like, if you move over, it's a lifetime ban. So people <laughs> like Bryson, where you're you know, the player's championship away from a grand slam. And you're young. And, and you're young. If he moves now... Or if he doesn't get it in this year's Players' Championship and he moves, he'll never be able to play in that Players' Championship again. Never will be able to play in the Ryder Cup again. Never will be able to play in the Masters again. So it's a weird switch. And some people are saying for Bryson's sake, he might be able to just make that money if he if he keeps on this tear anyway. But then you'd, you know, you, you'd have to say, well, maybe he can go get brand deals out there. He would be the face of it. It's a weird situation. These I do, guys, I mean, my I'm opinion, on Phil. These bro. PGA Tour guys, like, I, I mean, I'm not too mad at Phil, honestly. My personal opinion, no, he it is. Come and, like, get your bag. But if it. you guys want to get your bag and still be in the PGA, I, I wish I saw one of these more of these PGA guys like doing YouTube or like you know what I'm saying, doing TikTok. Like, there's yeah, different he's ways. he's getting could, big on TikTok. There's Bryce different ways you could do shit. Like, even but if you were, if, you know I'm what on saying? Team Phil. I, I'm not gonna like let him. Let him. Why, why can't he have his he's voice? He's fucking sixty. Why can't he? Why can't he voice his opinion on this? Maybe he. Like people are saying, maybe he just doesn't care about his legacy anymore. But the PGA, maybe he just wants his bag and fucking just. Why sit back is he and getting in trouble for that? Yeah. Like, he, like he's voicing his opinion, yeah. and then everyone comes down his throat. It makes no sense. We will be, we will be touching on more of this as more stuff, you know, comes out. Um, I'm, I'm, I was, I was interested to see your side. Though. I thought you were gonna be blasting Phil. No way. Like no, like and and Rory did, and I'm like, I thought this was all about like gossip about respect now, but now we're starting to see that fiery stuff between Bryson and Brooks, and mm. maybe we're gonna see that now. Um, it, it'll be it. it'll be fun to see and, and very fun to see what's going to happen as these guys play against Phil in these tournaments. Facts. Are they going to be acting a little bit different towards him in person or are they just all I talk think, online? Oh, yeah, I think it's all. You know what I mean? But all right, guys. So without further ado, we have Scott Miller, like I said, Vice President of Product and Operations over at Action Network. Uh -huh. Here he comes now. 
Scotty. There he is. There he is. Whoa. Ooh. Whoa. What's up? Can you hear us? There it is. Can you hear us? What's up? What's up, guys? Handsome How are we fella, doing? Man. Good. I'm just Fucking fixing your great. view. How are you? Thank you for, for your time today. Fella. I love it. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome but, for us. Um, you know, obviously, we've looked a lot into you, um, and we're just so excited. We, we've done a lot of, we've had a lot of sports gamblers on this show, so to kind of go on a different side of it and talk with people that are, I wouldn't necessarily say behind the scenes, but in some capacity, way different. Like last week, we had a professional NBA 2K player, like <laughs> so weird. Uh, but thank you for your time. Seriously, it means a lot. So I can uh, tell you, I am not a professional NBA 2K player. I <laughs> suck at video games, but I can talk about sports betting. Okay, that's fine. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, fair enough. We were not going to go there at all. We wanted to. Um, really, Perfect. We really Perfect. wanted to break down like your story, um, your career, and how you got to where you where you are. I uh, I graduated from college last May in broadcasting. And I knew I switched over two years into college from hospitality management. So I knew the opportunities, the money uh, that I was that I was leaving for a, a cutthroat industry. So I really want to learn how you, you know, Iowa from back in the day. Right. And I, and I hate saying that it makes <laughs> you feel old, but 07 to 011. Right. And then it was much different back then. And then you were able to come out of school and spend your time at ESPN. So like for me, when I was getting into this. I had the assumptions of like, you need to know someone, you need to have all these connections or someone that can give you that in. Was that a way that worked out for you in terms of starting out at ESPN? Or was that something that maybe, you know, with your experience that you had at school that was able to get you in an entry level position over at ESPN? Honestly, man, it was luck. Like, I know that that sounds crappy because it's it's kind of hard to replicate, but I had the good fortune of ESPN, the magazine moved from it's headquarters from New York City to Connecticut uh, three months be before I found a job there and what that resulted in. I don't know if any of you guys have spent time in, in central Connecticut, but it's not as desirable of a place to live as New York City. So you, what happened is you had a lot of people who said, I'll uh, go find a different job in New York City and won't move to central Connecticut. And that led to a lot of open jobs, right, uh, up and down the organization. And so uh, the magazine had to hire somewhere in the range of 40 to 50 new people uh, to fill out the staff. They certainly had some people come, but, you know, it was north of a hundred person staff uh, across the board. And so they had, they had a lot of holes to fill. And uh, I was lucky enough to, to get one of those, uh, one of those spots. So I see, so I was, I kind of stalked your Twitter feed and I was looking at your, your tweets about the Kansas City Chiefs. I see that lovely poster behind you that screamed. I got to ask yeah. you though. So, the Chiefs kind of, we we called them dead this year. Week six, I was claiming they were dead. Pat Mahomes didn't look the same to me. Didn't have the same zest, the same flair to their offense. Why do you think the Chiefs kind of flared out this year? Was there distractions, the distractions that Pat Mahomes was dealing with? Do you think there was something in-house? Like, why, what happened to the Chiefs this year from your perspective? Because, uh, the, because the media so, can do the media can do a lot of narrative flipping. Like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Philly fan. So when I look at the, like what the media does to the Ben Simmons situation, they are just flipping the narrative. Like, it is not true. They are lying about Philly fans and how we see Ben Simmons. Like, so from a Kansas City guy's view, what was wrong with the Chiefs? Uh, certainly some adjustments were made by defenses and Mahomes. And in, in my opinion, I'm not a sports analyst, but I, I do do play one on TV, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, he, he was obviously forcing stuff down the field and they were playing really deep safeties. And, you know, what it led to was a, a, a lot of uh, turnovers, turnovers in really uncharacteristic spots. Some of them were unlucky. 
and that flipped multiple games, uh, especially early in the season. Now, the Chiefs will always be one of the best coach teams in the NFL as long as Andy Reid is there. And I think what you saw over the course of the season was a team that got a ton better uh, on offense. They got a ton more patient on defense. They they definitely fixed some things, and they were within a, you know a second half collapse of going back to another Super Bowl, right? right. Um, and I don't want to talk about that collapse uh, <laughs> whatsoever. But um, you know, I, I don't think that they were necessarily broken. I think that they just had a, a couple of things they had to figure out, and ultimately, to be honest, they did. Uh, they they figured them out. They came pretty close to making it back to another Super Bowl. They would have been favored, in my opinion, to win that Super Bowl. Slight favorites over the Rams. They probably would have lost because the, the Rams are quite good uh, and not a great matchup for the Chiefs. But uh, ultimately, they they did figure it out. I don't think there's anything systemically wrong there. Um, Mahomes is still Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. There's no, no question about that. Right. Um, it's just a matter of sort of having to make those uh, those in-season adjustments. Because what the media is trying to do now, they're trying to basically paint the picture that Jackson and his fiance Brittany, are like the reason he didn't have a, a big year. So, like, are you calling that BS? Like, they're just trying to paint this, this weird picture and just get clicks and likes and all that stuff, kind of stuff. I will say that is BS, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're going to be bouncing around uh, today just about, you know, sports and then obviously – yourself and your career so i want to take this a little bit back towards espn so you were there for almost like six and a half years um and would you call that like your quote-unquote big break in terms of you know moving on moving up in 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 this industry is was that your quote-unquote big break because you were there so long and you you know climbed the ranks in different editing positions throughout your time there or was it you know where you are now uh, I think it for sure was a uh, place like ESPN. You're surrounded by unbelievably smart people, um, unbelievably competitive people, which I think is the number one quality when we're hiring people that I look for. Um, and that was really instilled in, in me at ESPN. So getting to sort of learn through osmosis uh, around a lot of very smart people was hugely influential and uh, probably the most important thing uh, was that I got to, got to work, work next to someone like Chad Millman, who ran ESPN Magazine when uh, he was the editor-in-chief there when I was hired. He moved over to run all of print and digital, so all of ESPN.com, all of ESPN Magazine. Um, and ultimately, he was hired by the Churning Group to run the content division of the Action Network. And uh, on his last day at ESPN, uh, we had a conversation about me potentially um coming with him and and uh ultimately that uh, that happened uh in, in a good way uh for me i wasn't necessarily looking to leave espn but I've, I've loved sports betting uh ever since i was in college um and you know certainly had a, had an inkling about where the industry was headed what no one really knew uh, but the opportunity was super exciting and chad was always someone who i had learned a ton from and sort of just trusted in, implicitly that um, whatever he was involved in was going to work out. And so the biggest thing with ESPN was just getting to know Chad, getting to learn from him day to day, and ultimately um, riding his coattails over to to action where we were able to have a lot of success together. Was that your only reason why you left? Or was there other factors in, in that uh, that kind of made your decision complete and final that you were going to leave ESPN? Because, you know, you look at 
other people that are trying to get into this industry and they see they would see ESPN and say, oh, my God, that's like my dream or something like that to work at ESPN. Wow. Like the worldwide of sports is ESPN. I'd love to be there. But to some to some level of thinking, you know, yourself, you were there for an extended period of time where you could say, well, you know, I did my time. Maybe it's time for me to move on. Uh, with any decision, there are a lot of factors. I was, I have a high appetite for risk, uh, in my professional career. I think, uh, great things come from taking great risks. And, and so I was at a good stage in my life, um, in my, what was that sort of mid to late twenties at that point to, to, uh, take, uh, what was a very substantial risk, leaving a very solid job at ESPN um and you know moving over to a startup that could go could go to the moon or could go into the ground right um and uh so you know i, I have an appetite for risk so that was certainly part of it right i like upside um and espn is a great place to work i probably could have worked there 30 years and had a had a really good career and good stability um but i, I was looking for some more upside than they could probably offer and then the second thing is family, right? Like my, my wife really wanted to live in a big city, moved to a big city and uh, New Haven, Connecticut isn't a big city. Uh, that's where we lived at the time. And, um, you know, my, my wife also works. And so it, uh, it was a good thing for her career for us to move uh, to New York City uh, at the time. And so um, it, it just made a lot of sense uh, across the board for me personally and also uh, for, for my family. Sure. Did you ever like, so when you're working for ESPN, how often did you like kind of bump shoulders with like the big media personalities and like the big influencers at ESPN? And do you have any like interesting stories about some of those guys over there? You, you see them around, ESPN is kind of a crazy place. Like it's, it's a college campus, uh, literally. <laughs> that's like so that's crazy. Around. That's yeah, not what I expected. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, every, so there are like upwards of 20 plus buildings on the campus. It's very sprawling and so it's it's again it's in the middle of central connecticut it's not in a big city so it's not in some big skyscraper and they have 10 floors they have 20 buildings Dang. uh that are stretched across the uh the the campus so to speak and so you'll see people uh famous people of all kinds whether they work for espn whether they're snoop dog right they're in for mark <laughs> Wahlberg's in for the day you see him walking around the cafeteria wow. at the salad bar ordering salad all that kind of stuff so yeah you you uh you run into people um but yeah i had the opportunity to work with people like svp ryan rosillo todd mcshay bill barnwell like kind of uh mel kuyper right up and down the list uh and all those guys were genuine like really really good guys to to work with and and uh couldn't speak more more highly of my time uh there working with them yeah so Kind of for like the, and I know you may have touched on this and, and on this being like the lucky part and that lucky factor. Um, but for like the interested people trying to get into sports, what would you say your quote unquote in was to getting in, in a role at ESPN? Uh, I think I set myself up for success. Number one, like I uh, worked all throughout college in the industry I wanted to be in. I When my friends were, out on the weekend partying, I was covering uh, college football games for the University of Iowa in East Lansing, Michigan. And on Sunday, when they were sleeping off a hangover, I was driving home, right? 
Um, and so that there, there was a decent amount of sacrifice there for sure in, in college um, that uh, ultimately paid off. But I, I had a firm belief that to do what I wanted to do at that time uh, and to do it seriously, I had to start doing it in college because it's great if you want to be a writer, but you got to show people you're a good writer, right? And the only way to show them that you're a good writer is to actually get stuff published. It doesn't do it. matter if it's on your own on your own blog or uh, it, in my example, a, a college newspaper, um, but sort of just starting from day one at that college newspaper and ultimately getting internships and, and things of that nature um, was uh, vital. Like ESPN is not hiring me if I don't have a lot of uh, experience and if I haven't shown that, that I can sort of do, uh, do what it takes. Like they, get, they have too many people that apply to work there to just like take a flyer because right. I say I'm good. Right. Like you have to just, you, you have to show it, not, not just say it. So nowadays with writers, there's like, much like podcasting now, so there's so many different ways you can get seen and get noticed and move up the ranks. If you had to do it again, because I see a lot of people that, a couple guys I follow that are like Eagles, Eagles writers now, they literally just were posting their takes on Twitter and then such and such company hit them up. They might have did a couple podcasts or a couple articles. Now they're big time. Would you have taken that route or would you have done the same thing that you did, like go to a school, write for their football team or basketball team, et cetera, and then kind of send your articles out and work your way up that way? Like if you had to start again, what would you do? Just knowing question. that it's a completely different time now. Nice. Like for us, you know, we have Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, where like a platform like TikTok, we post a clip about me saying that I wanted the underdog to win out of the Chiefs and Bengals. I was rooting for the Bengals. And it got like 566,000 views. Like right. crazy things that you wouldn't, like that wouldn't happen years ago when you were coming up. Excuse me. Honestly, I would just try different things um, and, and see what works, what sticks, like what's authentic to you. Like I have a different personality than you guys, right? And you have this different personality with, the, with someone else who might be watching or listening to this. And so it kind of depends on what your ultimate goal is and what kind of fits your, your personality and your, your work ethic. But I firmly believe in sort of carving out a niche, trying a lot of different things, seeing what you're ultimately good at. And then when you find that thing, go all in on it, right? Action's a really good example of that. Like people gravitate to us because we don't mess around. Like we're 24-7, 365 sports betting. If you're not into that, go somewhere else. That's okay. We're fine with that. We're not going to be the biggest sports media company in the world. That's fine. Um, but I promise you we're going to be the biggest sports media company that's fully devoted to sports betting. And that's our mission, right? And so as an, as an individual, uh, you got to be focused on what your mission is personally, what your goals are personally, and try a bunch of stuff until you figure out the right way to get there. Yeah. And, and I, just kind of bouncing off of that, um, you know, looking back years, years ago when maybe you were in high school or growing up, was this something that you always, including ESPN, but is this, was this something that you always saw yourself doing or was this something that you kind of picked up maybe right before college or something like that where, you know, it was a lot of trial and error. Well, maybe I want to do this or I don't want to be, you know, I want to do something different than like the everyday businessman or something like that. Uh, I always wanted to work in sports. There was no doubt in my mind I wanted to work in sports. It was sort of just a matter of, again, what I thought I would be good at to get my foot in the door. Um, when I was in high school, I was the editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper. 
uh, loved writing. Um, I still do love writing. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was sort of my plan. I wanted to be Wright Thompson or, you know, like I wanted to write long uh, feature stories and I didn't have a ton of a desire to be on television or anything like that, but really just found a lot of joy in, in writing stories about real people or, or real things. And, and did that for, honestly, I did that for a while um, in college and, and got to do some of it uh, at ESPN, but ultimately it was sort of like, you got to choose, right? Do you want to be a star or do you want to uh, be more on the, the back end of the business and, and help drive decision-making and uh, help bring things to life, uh, get a lot of different uh, experiences across um, the, the company. Cause writing is a very individualistic pursuit, right? It's just you and a keyboard and a blank screen. And what I learned when I went to ESPN is that I just loved working with other people. Like, I know that sounds really simple, but I'm a very collaborative person and just really that brought me a lot more joy than I thought it would. Um, and so ultimately that's, that's where I made the decision to not give up on writing. Cause I think I, I would have been good at it and could have been very successful, but that it wasn't the end all be all. Uh, and that um, this other path was, was sort of out there, but it sort of took getting your foot in the door again and working with smart people and seeing the different types of jobs that, that are out there. You kind of don't know what you don't know until you get to a place, right? And you sort of see it up close and you're like, hey, I kind of like that. I think I'd be good at that job. Um, and that's really what happened at ESPN. Like I saw what Chad was doing. I was like, I kind of like that. I, I feel like I'd be really good at what he, he does, you know, 20 years down the line. Um, and that's that's where I turned my focus uh, pretty quickly thereafter. And uh, the rest is history. Like, could, sorry, that's great. No, you're good. Because you can still go. But there's an interesting quote that says, like, you can acknowledge some other things that people do great. Like, maybe someone could throw a touchdown pass, throw a pitch 100 miles per hour. You think it's cool. But, like, if you see someone else doing something, it's like, no, I, I know I can do that. That yeah. means it's your destiny. And that's what I got from that. Keep, keep going. Yeah. Like, so I was just going to ask, like, were you able to kind of decipher the differences from ESPN to action in terms of maybe the collaborative type thinking? Because, you know, I was bouncing off the point that you were talking about with writing and how, like, it's also it might be in, in terms of, like, individualistic in terms of the writing, but it's also obviously, it, like, opinionated in that sense of, of writing about, you know, your take on this, or mm -hmm. some of it will be news where you're reporting the news, but was there some of like some differences that you were able to seek out from ESPN to action that kind of helped funnel that switch over? Or was that just, you know, it's time to move on? Uh, yeah, I certainly, um, ESPN is a big company, right? I mean, when I worked there, I think it was like seven or 8,000 people worked there. I'm not sure how many people work there now. It is trying to get big things done there is like trying to turn the Titanic. It's hard, right? It, it just, it takes, it's not impossible, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Change happens slowly. And if I had a frustrating thing at my time at ESPN, it was that. It was that I like to move fast. I like to, to um, make mistakes. I like to learn on the fly. Um, and I knew that action would uh, give me one, that the opportunity to do that, and two, the opportunity to lead that, right? I came over to Action to run our entire day-to-day -day content operation under Chad, and 
you know, you just don't get that type of experience. Yeah, like I wasn't going to get that type of experience at ESPN, meaning working with marketing people, figuring out newsletter strategy, uh, working with product people. How do we build the best app for, for sports betters? Working with obviously our, our writers and editors trying to figure out how we how we put out the best um, written product um, for sports betters. So the the wealth of experience that I knew I was going to get by leaving was pretty impossible to pass up when you also factor in that I like taking risks and I like moving fast and both those things were going to be hard to do with ESPN. A key takeaway from that I got was like stay hungry because a lot of people, right? Like you get a job at ESPN, I'm sure you were doing well. Um and they get kind of settled like, "Oh, I'm at ESPN. This is my dream. Like I always want to work at ESPN, but like you stay hungry looking for different opportunities. That's huge. I've used Action forever. So I've been there from when you guys were just posting lines then you guys are posting data on the vets, what the public's doing and where the money's going. I'm like, oh my God, I love action. Then you guys are, then you could like get your specific sports book lines and now you can actually place, place best with action. And I know your position now, like I guess you're more of like a big picture guy. Like, could you give us a sneak peek or maybe a hint of what's coming next? Do we have like media, anything going on with video? Like what's next <laughs> from action? You guys have been innovating. Like I, I've, I've been using action for a long time, like a long time. I've seen you guys innovate from the start. So like what's kind of next? You give us a little sneak peek, a little hint. Uh, you're going to see here in the next couple of months, uh, a pretty large, you guys are content guys, pretty large overhaul in terms of how we package content okay. inside the product. Um, so you talk about videos, you'll see those. Uh, you talk about podcasts, you'll see certainly see those more prevalent. They've existed for a while, but they've existed outside of our product, right? They've right. existed on uh, iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the, the packaging inside our product of those pieces of content that we have a lot of resources devoted to leave currently leaves a lot to be desired. And I'm not speaking out of turn by saying that it just does. Right. Um, and uh, we we've taken a hard look at how we can improve that experience. And we'll be uh, certainly rolling some, uh, some stuff out uh, here shortly. That's awesome. So can you take us through like a, a day-to-day -day basis as obviously your, your position now at action, um, a day-to-day -day basis in terms of what you are doing at action and maybe how that kind of differs from the editing type roles that you had in the past. Oh God, where do I start? I mean, it's so different <laughs> than my old. It, I, it's so different than my old job. Do you like it more um, because you're, my, you're not maybe like micromanaged? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do like it more. Um, you know, if I'm being perfectly candid, I got burnt out on content. Um, content's a grind, man. 24 seven, 365. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you guys that. And I had done it for 10 years and done, you know, every type of content led, led large content teams and had, a, had certainly had success. And, uh, you know, honestly, and I feel bad about saying this, but the pandemic is maybe one of the best things that ever happened in my career. Cause it gave, me a chance just as an individual to take a step back and try to figure out what's next right when you're in the hamster wheel it's so hard to 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 take a step back and figure out what you want to do and mm. uh, i'm lucky to have some some pretty incredible bosses who when i come to them and say hey i want to do x and here's how i think it can help the company they say perfect go do it um and so they've given me the freedom to learn about the product side of our business which is you know really our forward-facing uh, consumer products on our website and our, our mobile app, uh, learn more about the business side of our business. How do we make money? Uh, what are our commercial partnerships? 
uh, like? What are our lead partnerships like? Um, and that's a big part of my day-to-day -day right now is, is really on the commercial and operations side of the business. So when you say, is it different? It is, it is as different as it can get <laughs> uh, from, from my old job, but not in a bad way, just in, just in a really invigorating way, especially in a, in a, in a growth industry like we're in, in sports betting, it's um, every day is different, right? And we have a massive opportunity in front of us to uh, build an incredible product, build an incredible company. I think we've done it, uh, but there's so much more we can do. And this industry is, it's in like the second inning, right? And so we have the opportunity to, yes, think quarter by quarter as we do, uh, but also think three, four or five years down the line, what do we want the sports betting experience for the consumer to look like inside our product? Um, and I promise you, it's going to look a lot different in three years than it looks now. I promise you. Um, and so uh, it's really cool to be on the ground floor and get to get to talk through a lot of those ideas and try to figure out how we make them happen. How do we make money uh, as we make them happen? How do we um, make our consumers, uh, our users, right? Their, their experience in our product as good as possible while we make these changes. Um, all that is... Uh, it's great. Um, and it's, you know, part of the reason why you come to action is a, a place like action is just because you get exposure to a lot of different things. And well, you just especially when, you, you know, different states are becoming more legalized in sports betting, you know, being able to get on the ground floor of targeting these new states, you know, obviously, for example, New York, but is, is that something where, you know, you maybe have to target the newer type sports bettors that don't necessarily know what a money line is or what a spread is? Is there a different way of trying to factor in those newer type people? That's one of our biggest challenges. It's how do we uh, appeal and educate newer bettors who are going to, who are very important to our business as a whole, obviously um, going forward while not alienating the people who bet every day, right? Because we have a lot of those people inside our app. And so, um, from a content perspective, I've literally had a conversation about this yesterday with a group of people about a specific topic, but, uh, content it's challenging for sure. Uh, product, it's probably even more challenging. Um, but it, it's not impossible, right. And, and we're in the right position to be able to do that. But yeah, we have to do both. We have to cater to, to folks in what we call the shallow end of the pool who are more beginners, right? And the, the people who can swim in the deep end of the pool and kind of everywhere in between. Uh, we got to build products, content, got to recruit talent who speaks to people at all ends, right? Um, and so it's not like we're running separate businesses because we aren't. It all needs to live within the same ecosystem, but it's it's definitely a different sentimentality that you have to uh, appeal to for sure. So to kind of piggyback off his first question, like I'm sure people like take X, you work at X business, say ESPN, and your boy's about to start this startup and you think it's gonna be great. And you guys are gonna blow this app up, you're gonna make millions of dollars, you're gonna be able to kick your feet back and relax on the beach, <laughs> smoke stogies and, and try to go for pars. But can you kind of give a realistic look of how much actual more work it is than ESPN working on your own venture with your boy and you're a VP of it? Like what was kind of like, What's the reality of it? Like, because some people think like, oh, we're gonna blow this up and I'm gonna be able to chill and relax. Like, I'm sure you're not relaxed every day. I'm sure there's some days you're stressing out. You're trying to move new things up and you're working long hours, longer than maybe you did at ESPN. So like, what's kind of the reality of that? 
the reality is exactly what you said. It's the it's the hardest job I've ever had, and it's the most rewarding job I've ever had. Right? right. It's I'm working more than I have ever in my life, and I've never loved my job more. Right? And that it was like that um, when we were a true startup. We we sold our company last May uh, to uh, our parent company, which is a European company called Better Collective, and uh, for a lot of people in a lot of companies that's sort of the end of the road right you yeah. you build a startup for three and a half years and you build it to the point where it sells for 240 million dollars which is incredible right that's the dream uh next day we were back to work man like but th they wanted us to stick around we didn't take vacations like we were pedal to the metal um and that's that competitiveness that i talk about that is uh instilled in certainly our company culture uh, from top to bottom and what's brought us uh, a lot of success, but that's, that's hard, man. I mean, that like, that's not an easy life. Like, you know what I mean? That's not easy work. Um, and you either want it or you don't. Right. So, uh, good things don't just come, you know, you, you gotta earn them. You gotta work for them. Y'all gotta listen, yeah. man. Y'all gotta <laughs> listen to what he's saying. What is, is that a 10 figure exit, nine figure exit? <laughs> And we're right back to work. Go ahead, bro. My f I just need y'all to like actually take heed and take note to that. Because that's a winner it's telling a, you how to win. It's a 10-figure exit. <laughs> Counting. Come on, man. Actually, no, Come I'm on, sorry, I'm man. Sorry, I'm, sorry. I, I'm sorry. It's nine figures. Oh, I don't matter. Nine's bad. fine. Nine's fine. Nine. Um, nine. So taking this back to like the younger generation trying to get into sports, like college kids, high school students looking to major in this industry, what would you tell them? Um, number one, and, and from the what you've learned and the advice that maybe you've received, what has, has that factored into what you would tell those, those students? Uh, no replacement for hard work. That's it. I mean, like, it's really as simple as that. You can be the smartest guy in the world. If you don't work hard, I don't want to work with you. Um, and you can be not that bright, right? But you work hard, you put the time and you learn, you get better, you improve. I'd take working with that person every single time. Uh, and it's it for me, it's not close, right? Um, and so it depends on what you want to do and and ultimately where you want to to do it. But care about what you do, right? Uh, I promise you, your bosses uh, and the people you want to impress, if they're if they're worth a damn, I promise you that they will notice. Um, you know, some people get get scared when there are younger people who are outworking them and things like that. And, you know, you'll run into that from time to time in your career. But more often than not, it will it will be uh, beneficial. But no one's going to give you anything. I promise you that. Like, you got to earn it. And then when it's when it's your time, don't be afraid to ask for what you want. But you got to earn it first. Um, and it just takes a lot of work, man. I mean, there's, there's no, especially in this business, the number of people who want to work in sports generally is so large, right? Um, figure out why you're different, figure out how you can get your foot in the door. And when you do, do exactly what I just said, right? Uh, outwork the people uh, around you or outwork what their expectations are, would be. and and uh, ultimately figure out how you can, uh, do and add to what is important to the company and you will be successful. I love that. I love that. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your time. Um, 
We know you got a busy work Dropping day ahead. gems on your head, man. Thank you so much. We really appreciate this. Um, you know, we're going to be obviously keeping a close eye on action and what you guys have moving forward. Um, but this was really cool for me, you know, graduating in a, in a sport and with a sports degree uh, to learn more about someone that has been able to climb up the ranks in, in this industry. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Of course, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me. If you guys don't have the Action Network app, go download it. Yes, sir. Get all up in there before uh, March Madness. I'm about to say uh, March Madness is... coming. There is no better, like, quick, real easy. Where's the money going? What's the line moving? I'm telling you, more. And it's funny. I'm before you, you go, last thing. It's funny because on some of these shows, we've we've talked about Action, and and Manny has always said, like, you know, I I, I sometimes like to say if I'm if I'm gonna bet on this, I look at, at Action and it says, well, the money's over here. So I'm going to look over there. I do that a lot. Because it might be a trap line. Want me some money, Scotty. Oh, wait, yo, yo, yo. Before you go, do you have a Scotty Miller jersey? Please tell me you have a Scotty Miller jersey. I don't. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I wish he was a little better, man. All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you You're so much, man. Thank, Thank you so guys. much. Take care. You too. Wow. That's a good one, though. There's a lot of, like, like even, like, you're working at a company. You're trying to do your own thing. Like, there's so many gems in there just from just staying hungry, getting the right spot, positioning. Like, just listen up, guys. Like, you, like, there's not, you, you don't need to spend hours online looking up articles of how to do this and how to do that. Like, you have a chance right here just to listen to someone who's really – he already beat the game. Nine-figure exit. $240 million. You went to work the next day. Come on, man. Yeah, and and just just like that's why I liked asking that that question at the end because you know there are a boatload of people that want to work in this industry, and like when you're applying to you know like when I was applying to internships, I had um, right out of like the spring semester of my or going into the spring semester of my junior year, I was applying to an NFL internship a position as like a studio producer type role where I'd be meeting all those those guys that mm -hmm. are on the morning show. And when you're filling that out, you're filling out like, you know, I'm a white male that wants to get into sports. How many of those do you think you're going to see on an everyday basis? Hundreds and hundreds of thousands. So what makes you different? So he was able to lay out, you know, I, not only was I grinding day in and day out. Grinder. Not only was I, you know, sacrificing a lot of that fun time at school, at he's college. A, I mean, he's at Iowa too. I mean, right. You know, but I'd like you said, you know, sacrificing that party time to do what I wanted. But it also just isn't that as well. Like it also has to be good work. It has mm -hmm. to be produced well. It has to be written well. It has to be edited well. And that's the same with us. Like we've we've encountered multiple different um, podcasts and people that, um, you know, you want to get into this industry. But not only what makes you different, but what is good about you. And we pride ourselves on the production how it's edited, and obviously, of course, what we say. So it was definitely really cool to learn about that. And also to have someone that has worked at these big companies. Six and a half years at ESPN, right? And then now in this key role at Action, which is completely different from an editing role at uh, a senior editing role at ESPN. So I think that was just a, a really cool interview and something that we're going to be looking to do more of these type interviews, not exactly on this realm, but um, you know, not saying that we're done with the sports gamblers. But, you know, we're trying to branch off into grabbing a new audience, grabbing a different audience um, that can all collectively come together and help build this community. So if you want to follow us on our Twitter page, head over to at 80 podcast and our Instagram page at 80 Uh Facebook, by the way, 
Uh, they we just finally got the podcast on there as well. So if you are not, if you don't have Apple Podcasts, I know it's on your phone, but you don't want to listen on that. And for the older generation, if you're on Facebook, you can just go to the podcast page, the podcast tab on the on the Facebook page, and all of the episodes are listed right there that you can hit listen. Um, and then the Twitch, you know, we did our big Twitch stream two weeks ago for the Super Bowl. We will be back on Twitch. Manny's been grinding on Apex, so we will be uh, <laughs> getting our asses back on that. Uh. And of course, cannot leave out the TikTok. Uh, we are getting an immense amount of views on there. I mean, it all started from posting golf clips where the first one was, I was talking about Charlie Woods and we got a bunch of views on that. And then Manny's talking about a drive that Justin Thomas had that got over a quarter million views. Like things that are just outrageous. It's crazy that it was golf. Keep going. Yeah. And like there was guys that were commenting on that and they're like, yeah, we started this. I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, started what? Like, like the golf talk and TikTok. I'm like, no, you didn't. Like yeah, we posted it. We've been talking about golf on this podcast from the first couple of episodes we did it. I'm pretty sure one of the first episodes we talked about the the, the first couple of episodes when we were doing it on Zoom we was about, about a, the Masters. I was gonna say well, it definitely was the Masters. It was right after March Madness because we yeah, were like, dude, what fucks. are we gonna do? Like, what are we gonna do? There's no March Madness. What are we gonna talk about? Um, but yeah, so TikTok's been really beneficial for us in terms of the views that we're able to get on that app. Um, and I say this all the time, but you can say anything about our podcast, bro. We literally just have been ourselves from the jump. From the jump, no matter what's Nothing's going on in the, in the industry, Nothing's like changed. you know what I mean. We're talking about golf. We're talking about golf. We're talking about MMA. We're talking about MMA. We're talking about March Madness. It's like man, fuck off TikTok. Right. Love right. y'all though. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, but but that's a you know I, I I personally pride ourselves on the TikTok because of you know we're able to to reach an audience in a short amount of time. Right, it, it, the algorithm works on watch time. So if you can grab somebody for those first three to four seconds, and you can keep them for the for the full fifteen second clip, then you know you're doing something right. Um, I don't know. You got any last words? Yeah. Um. First of all, make sure you guys all smash the like button, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell, keep up with all of our content. But yo, we're about to reach like three hundred fifty subscribers. I think we're at like three thirty. Three thirty two. Eighteen hundred on 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 Twitter. About five. About to Almost nineteen hundred on, the on er, three thousand on TikTok. Like yo, like you got like. We've been doing this for a year, and like this shit, we're not nowhere near where we are. Getting some of the guests that we are doing trips, doing the certain things that we do without every single one of you guys that watch, follow, like our stuff. Like, appreciate you guys more than life, man. This journey, like he said, I mean, what he he said something about this. This industry is like, it's oh, in the second inning. I thought that was a great analogy. This industry is in the second inning. Just get on board with the boys, man. We're going far. This train's not stopping soon, and if you try to get in front of it and scream at it while it's going by, you're just going to get ran the fuck over. So let's wrap this well, up. Well, we also have a lot of trips uh, planned and a lot of new fun videos coming up, so just be ready for that. You've been listening and watching to the All Day Everyday Show with All Day AJ and the homie Manny Ruffin. My name is Alex Jacobs, but you can call me All Day AJ. Thank you, Scott. You were a blast. Thanks. See you guys in a bit.